BJ, I have to say that's the loudest it is. water I, bottle I I've ever heard. Did you all happened. hear that? Sorry about that. I just didn't know my own strength and there you go. Huh? I love it. Do you want this up here? I actually unscrewed the cap all so right. I can get to all right. it. Okay. All right. You're going to leave it down there? All right. Yeah, that way I can kick it. All right. We're really, I think we're really looking forward to doing this together today, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're, gonna, we're, we're taking a different approach to this morning's sermon. We're going to have a conversation together, invite you to listen in. And it's a sermon that we've written, and then we're kind of going back and forth with it, and you'll see how this is going to work out. And in many ways, what, uh, what we want you to hear is um, a continuation of where our church is right now and where we're going in the future. Some 24, 36 months or so ago, the, the elders and lay leaders of the church said to me, Wayne, where are we going? What's next? How's this work out? And go and figure that out. And you're responsible to make that happen. And we, you know, we, long story short, at an elders re- and lay leaders retreat last May, uh, we, May of, of 2014, we set in motion something that you now know as 10. We brought it to you at the end of the summer. We went and prayed around the city, and then we went from there, and we've um, we raised money for it. And um, that similar group gathered just this past weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Here's a photo of what we all look like over at the Kiara Center, kind of thinking through, praying through, okay, what's the next step now if we're going to be a congregation of 10, namely the congregation that says we want to reach 10% of our community, 10% of the people who don't know Jesus Christ in our community. What would it look like for our church to actually dig into their lives and make Jesus Christ um, available to them in ways they had not seen it before? And so, moving through the past year, bringing it to you, praying about it, we prayed in a circle around the city, remember? We raised the money, and now today, throughout the next few weeks, we want to figure out, is there a way in which we can take this uh, congregational understanding and now move it down to the personal level of where each of us are going to have a part to play in that. So that's the goal uh, today and in the coming weeks. And I've asked BJ to join me on stage today to kind of help us kick that off. And it's all yours, sir. Sure. All right. Well, our conviction to reach and change our community comes out of a command that Jesus gave to his followers just before he left earth. And that's known as the Great Commission. And uh, you see that in, uh, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew 28. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, verses 18, 19, and 20. And so uh, if you want to turn there in uh, the Bible in front of you, uh, the page numbers are up there. If you brought your own Bible, we don't know what the page numbers are, so you need to find it on your own. <laughs> You're full of help today. I've been, I've been waiting to use that line. So anyway, um, so uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 28, uh, starting in verse 18. And the verses will be up on the screen as well. Then Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so over the next three weeks, we are going to be looking at what it means for us as a congregation and specifically for us as individuals to go and make disciples of the people in our community. And so probably the first big question we have to ask ourselves is, what is a disciple? 
Uh, what are these things? What are these people that, that we are seeking to go and make? Well, uh, the word disciple essentially uh, means someone who is a follower of Jesus, someone who is, who is following Jesus, someone who's learning and growing. And so they're growing uh, closer to him one step at a time. Therefore, you could say that a disciple is someone who is on a journey of faith in Jesus. It's a process. Uh, it's, it's not a single moment in time or a single event. It's someone who's, who's growing and they're learning and they're changing. They're, they're learning to trust in him. And so this journey of faith is, is lifelong. So therefore, making disciples means inviting others to begin their own journey of faith in Jesus. And the first step is, is for them to just explore, for them to see, themselves, see for themselves what, what, this, what this is all about, what this faith in Jesus is, is, is all about. And, and you know, it's very natural for people to have questions. It's natural for people to have doubts. And if we were all in this room, probably honest, we would say, we have doubts. We still have questions. And that's okay, because as we invite people into a journey of faith, we walk along with them. We, we welcome them and encourage them through those questions, through those doubts. And then somewhere along the way in the journey, and it's in, in some ways a mystery, people come to a point where they surrender their life to Jesus. They, they make a commitment to follow him. And so we see it begins first with an invitation and then this, this season of exploring and then a commitment to Christ. And you know, for some, the commitment is, is almost immediate, but for others, and maybe this is your story, there's a long season of, an, of exploring and that's okay. The important part is that it all begins with an invitation. Our role as followers of Jesus is to invite others to begin exploring. But the problem is, as BJ has given us that understanding, that if we're going to follow Jesus, part of our following invites is the role of inviting others into that same following. How do we do that in a way that's credible, in a way that's authentic, in a way that's, you know, has some integrity within us and within the present culture in which we live because it used to be that um, you, people would go door to door. Did you ever, ever have a door to door evangelist show up and you go, I'm already a follower. And these days, while that would have worked years ago, it feels almost creepy. You know, and that's our culture has changed in the last 40 or 50 years. Years ago, uh, there was a method that First Christian Church used. Um, and you look back at the records and you see it had some e effect. And that people would go door to door and they literally would just show up at the door and the goal was as quickly as possible, bring the conversation to this point and to this question. And this is the question. If you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And people would answer either one or the other and that would cause them then to say, okay, I need to make a commitment to Christ. Well, that was based, and there was a presupposition that people knew about heaven, they knew about hell, they knew about their own need for heaven and their own need for Christ, but that has been lost in our culture. Who are we kidding? I mean, that sort of understanding, the, the biblical uh, knowledge within our culture at present is, is decreasing, and so mm -hmm. research today would say, and there are all kinds of studies in this regard, that the best way to bring someone to an invitation to follow Jesus Christ is by simply an invitation, will you walk with me? In other words, people reach people, it's not programs anymore. And so we're concerned that if we are as a church, say we're gonna uh, reach into our community, we can't just have a program. We have to have people reaching people. 
Yeah, so, you know, programs are good and they, and they have their place, but it's not the programs that reach people. It's, it's not the engaging worship. It's, sadly to say, not even the inspiring uh, sermons that, man, that reach people. We see man. that... I got to pay him later, obviously. Yeah, we see that, that people reach people, that it is, it is the, the act of walking with people, investing in their lives, building trust uh, that, that allows people to then um, answer and respond to an invitation to begin a journey of faith. And so uh, we're going to dive into the Bible, and uh, we're going to look at how would Jesus have us go and make disciples. So uh, we'll be looking back at the passage uh, that I just read, um, Matthew 28, um, and we'll be starting this time in verse 19. Therefore, go. And that's all we're going to look at this morning. It's just, just, just one word, go. It's a, it's a really, really important word. This will be the last time you preach with me, my friend. If we, if we go this slow, it'll be March before we're done with this. I, yeah, that's all right. Well, we still, have, we still have two more weeks. So <laughs> don't worry. We still have two more weeks. But today we're just going to look at the word go and, and, and what, uh, what go means for us. And uh, rather than dragging you all through an intensive Greek word study and awarding master's degrees at the end of the uh, sermon, we're just going to hit a few of the highlights. Pastor Wayne's done all of the homework for us. So... Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, the word go, first of all, we see is an imperative. It is a command. It's not an option. Jesus isn't saying, if you feel like it, go, or, or if you think you have the right gifting, go. It's a command for all of us to go and make disciples. Second of all, um, if, you, if you dig a little bit into the Greek, we see that this word go is actually a participle, which means that it, that it is... We have a lot of room, people in the room who... We don't know what participles we okay. are. All right. A participle means a continuous action. It means that it's, it's not a one-time deal. It's, it's continuous. So if you remember digging back into probably fourth or fifth grade, you know, talked Just, about, you. <laughs> talk, talked about uh, what a participle is. It, it means continuous action. So Jesus isn't saying... We all remember that, right? Jesus isn't saying go once or, or, or go for a little while. This isn't a, a one-week mission trip. Jesus is saying from now on, for the rest of your life, you are to go, or, or as you go, make disciples. It's, it's, it's like this. Okay, so at the moment of your birth, you begin breathing, and you are responsible, without thinking about it, to breathe through the, for the rest of your life. And the moment you stop breathing, that's a problem, right? For most people. Here's the same thing with this. As you go, it's, this business of going is go, always make disciples. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we see that it is inclusive. It is all-encompassing. Uh, this word includes everything that we do in life, every, every aspect, every facet of what we do. And it has deep roots, uh, roots in the Hebrew understanding of how all of life is woven together. It's all connected. Uh, our family life at home, uh, our work, even our recreation is all woven together. And that is how we are to go and make disciples and in every area of what we do, in, in the rhythms and practices of everyday life we are to go and make disciples. So Jesus is essentially commanding his followers, which includes all of us who are following Christ, as you are going for the rest of your life and in every area of your life, make disciples. So this means that the manner in which we live our lives is itself an invitation to follow Christ. And so thus we, we see the, uh, the series title for the next three weeks, As You Go. Uh, this, is, this is what we are going to be drilling down and focusing on. What does it look like as we go along in life 
to make disciples. And what we are asking you to consider and what we are inviting all of us to step into is, can we live our lives in such a way that people hear what Christians call the good news? And if you've in church at all, you've heard this term, the good news. What is that? It really, the, the word gospel really means good news. But I would suspect there are a lot of us who don't understand what the good news really is. Here's the good news. The good news is that apart from Jesus Christ, we are condemned to hell and we have no way of knowing God. But the good news is because of Jesus Christ, the gap between us and God, the sin barrier between us and God, the things that you did wrong, the things that humanity did wrong, that impact your life, those things that get in the way of you and God are no longer seen by God, but instead God sees the work of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, that blood essentially covering our sin, and thus we are in a relationship with God. And if we appropriate that, if we ask God to forgive us of our sins, and we say, we want Jesus Christ to, I want Jesus Christ to be in charge of my life, then that sin barrier is gone, and we now get to walk with God today and for all of eternity. And whereas hell would have been not only an option, but a prerequisite with that sin in our lives, now because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, and heaven is not just an option, but it is where we are headed. And so the good news, the good news, is that because of Jesus Christ's work, we have eternal life available to us, and we get to walk with God now in Jesus Christ, that God gave up his son so that we could be men and women, young people who are free from sin. Yeah, so let, let me explain it uh, with an experience that I had a few years ago. Uh, before Mary and I uh, had children, uh, we had the practice of picking up uh, three little kids for church each week. And uh, so Cheyenne was, was the big sister, and uh, then there was, uh, there was Alex. Here's a picture of him. Uh, so Alex was the, the kid in the black hat that's kind of smiling like a squirrel. That's and, the, uh, the big one in the middle, right? Yeah, no, the big one in the middle <laughs> is you. <laughs> well, the really big one in the middle is me. But, but then uh, sitting right in front of me was, uh, was Gabe. Now, Gabe had a nickname. His nickname was Gaby Baby. And uh, the reason that we called him Gaby Baby is because you see he has kind of a round uh, baby face, I guess you would say. And then also uh, he would lay on the ground spontaneously and, and whine. Uh, like a baby. Now, he was, he was like 120 pounds in preschool, so uh, he knew that if he laid on the ground that Mary couldn't pick him up, so I had to go get him and get you him the same You guys still call him Gaby Baby? No, because he's like 6'4 now and uh, could probably take me out pretty easily. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so we, 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 we would pick these three kids up for church every week, and uh, as long as they had a good day at church, we would bring them to our house for lunch. Well, it was uh, Easter Sunday, and we'd gone to church, and now we were at our house getting ready to sit down to a delicious uh, Easter meal of hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, because that's what they chose to eat that day. So uh, we're getting ready to sit down, and uh, as, as we sat down, um, Gabe, who was at the time in kindergarten, said that he wanted to pray for the meal. So, you know, Mary and I bowed our heads, and we looked at each other and thought, okay, here we go but I will never forget his prayer. He said, dear Jesus, we are so sorry that you had to die, but we are so glad that we get to live. That sums it all up. Jesus gave up his life 
so that we could have life. Jesus gave up his life so that in his death, we can be set free to live the life that God created us to live, both now and forever. That is good news, Amen. friends. Amen. That's really that good. is great news. But, but the question is, how do we share that with, with others? I mean, it's, it's, it's good news, but how do we share that in, in a way that, that isn't preachy, in, in a way that doesn't force Jesus on people? In a world that is, that is skeptical, in a world that pushes away, how do we share this good news? Well, I actually learned an important lesson about this from my daughter, Hannah, who is three. And uh, Hannah is a part of the uh, first kids ministry here. Uh, she's, she's in preschool. And uh, one of the cool things is that every month, the uh, Discovery, sorry, not the Discovery Zone, the, the church sends us a, uh, a memory verse for that month. And so as long as our one-year-old twins don't get to it before we do and, and tear it up, uh, we're able to put it up on a refrigerator. You have twins. Yeah. Yeah, twin you joined the, the, if you're unfamiliar with our church, we have so many families. We have another set of twins show up today mm-hmm. at like four months old. Yeah, so we decided we wanted just to connect coming, with the congregation, coming. so let's just go for it and have twins. So, oh, yeah, anyway. you did. Um, Don't drink the water. If you want twins, drink at a water fountain, you'll have twins, but I'm not drinking the water. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, uh, so, so we, we, have the, we have this memory verse that we, that we try to when we remember every day at lunch. Uh, we try to do the memory verse with the girls. And so we've got the twins now. They'll, they'll get their little Bibles out and, and, and with their hands. But Hannah has actually gotten to the point where she uh, recites the verse. So it's really, really cool. Well, back in April, the verse uh, for that month was what we're looking at today. Go and make disciples. And so Hannah said, go and make disciples. And so we wanted to try and make it practical for her. So we said, Hannah, who do you want to tell about Jesus? And immediately her answer was Tyson. Uh, Tyson is a little boy that lives next to us, and uh, he's a few months younger than Hannah. And uh, so we said, okay, the next time you see Tyson, tell him Jesus loves you. Well, it just so happens that later that afternoon, uh, we were outside playing, and Tyson comes toddling out of his house, and uh, so Hannah's excited. And, tottering? Uh, tottering? Toddling. Toddling. Toddling, yeah. Tottering is, is only a word in, in Australia, but... Um, <laughs> Toddling, toddling, yes, toddling. Tyson came toddling out of his house. By the way, that's a participle. It's, it's a real word. Um, and uh, so, continuously, continuously, he was continuously toddling. Anyway, yes. Okay. Uh, so, so he he comes out. Tyson walked out of his house, and um, I said, "Okay, Hannah, this is our chance." So I I get down next to her and I say, "Okay, you're gonna go over and you're gonna tell Tyson." Jesus loves you, okay? Okay, all right. So then I kind of guide her over to the fence and she walks over to the fence and says, I love Jesus. And I was thinking, no, 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 you got, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. You, you switched it. Get back over here. So, so she comes over and uh, I'm, I'm coaching her again. And I'm saying, okay, this time say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Okay, daddy, okay, daddy. So, so she goes back over to the fence and again she says, I love Jesus. And then it hit me. She had it right. To say, I love Jesus to someone else says, this is who I am. Hmm. I'm following Jesus. I'm not forcing Jesus on you, but this is, this is my life. She cracks me up. 
Hannah cracks me up. Okay, so when she comes around the, the church here and she wants to, um, you know, she's doing something, he's daddy, but when she really wants his attention, she goes, hey, BJ. <laughs> it's hilarious. That, that is not in the script. I know, you're, but you're I just need to stick to, need to, stick I, to the, I saw that last, I heard her last night. <laughs> yeah. BJ. Yes, yes, yes. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. Here's the point. It's just a phase. We'll be done with it. No, I don't think so. <laughs> She's going to be participling that for the yeah, rest of her I life. Know, yeah. <laughs> as she goes. BJ. As she goes. Yeah. That's okay. right. All right. And that's the point, isn't it? We're doing this as we go. Okay, so the, we don't have to go around preaching at everyone we see. More so, we live our lives in a way that, sh- that shows people that we love him. We, we have made Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. And as he is the Lord and leader of our lives, we're following him. And then, based on that, as people look at us and examine us and see our lives, then they say, can you tell us, tell me why this goes? Peter puts it this way, that in every situation, whether it be difficult or easy, he said, we should set apart Christ as Lord. Do you see that? Set apart Christ as Lord. In other words, let Jesus Christ, make it quite clear that Jesus Christ leads you. And then in that vein, in response to that, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. If you live your life where Jesus Christ is in charge, people are going to ask why. People are going to notice and they're going to say, why are you different? And then Peter says, in light of that, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. We've got to live our lives intentionally. Peter reminds us to do it with gentleness and to, with respect toward those other people so that our speech and our behavior point, point to Christ. It's not a case of being door-to-door evangelists. That doesn't work anymore. Instead, we should be able to be across the fence from the people in our neighborhood, the people at work, the people where we go play. We should live our lives in such a way of respect that people say, hey, your life is different. What is going on? Well, I have Jesus Christ as my leader. What does that mean? Well, could I invite you in a journey in that regard? We live intentionally so that when people look at us, they know that we love Christ. You know, occasionally uh, one of the pastors or, or staff here asks the question, what is it like to be in a vocational ministry? Essentially, they're asking, what is it like to have ministry as your job, as your nine to five? And, uh, you know, we always have to be careful how we answer that question because the truth is we are all in vocational ministry. That no matter, no matter what our job is, it is an opportunity for us to invite others into a journey of faith. And so whether you are a teacher or a doctor or a mechanic or an accountant, that is your place of ministry. That is your opportunity. As you go, as you work, you are working and living in such a way that would make Jesus and faith in him tangible and, and relevant for the people around you. Now, truth be told, some of us have First Christian Church written on our paycheck. But whether your paycheck says Caterpillar or, or ADM or DMH or, or the school district, or, or, or maybe, maybe you aren't in the workforce right now, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, or, or maybe you're retired, or maybe you just aren't working right now, your full-time ministry, or your, your, full, your full-time job is, is ministry. Remember, it's not like we're going along in life and then we call time out to make disciples. Everything that we do is making disciples. It is is woven into our lives. So just as the Apostle Paul encouraged the people who are living in Philippi, in everything we do, we can conduct ourselves in a manner 
worthy of the gospel of Christ as we go. And in all honesty, what's driving this, this series and where we're going with this is I have some concerns about how this is playing out in the lives of each of us as individually, as individuals, pardon me. Our church, as a combination together, we have a great deal of resources. We have great programming. We have a beautiful facility. We're financially stable. We have um, great community outreach. We have a great reputation in our community. And all of that is great. But the greatest opportunity we have and the greatest resource we have for reaching the people of this community is not what the church capital C or congregation does, if you will, but more so what we as individuals do in our lives, how we live and how we communicate Christ to other people. And truth be told, our greatest strength, or one of our greatest strengths is our community involvement. It is also can be our greatest weakness. Mm -hmm. It's real easy for each of us to lean into the church and say, well, the church, the congregation, First Christian Church, they're doing, we're, we're doing so many great things. We've got Club 305, we've got Adopt the Block, we've got the chaplaincy program at the hospital, we've got the radio program, we've got Jumpstart Clinic and all that sort of stuff. And we could say, well, the church is doing well. Pat, 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 pat. But in order for us to reach across the fence at work, at home, or anywhere else, it requires that each of us as individuals have to make this mission very personal because we all know people who aren't walking with Jesus Christ. And so what we are going to do in the next few weeks is we're going to make certain that this business of 10 and reaching our community is not just a program, mm -hmm. but rather that it continues to be a movement church-wide and within our individual lives. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to lead you, starting today and then two weeks more, we're going to lead you through some ways in which you can begin to think about how this might play out in your life as an individual. For example, we're going to ask you today to start thinking about who are two people that you could identify that you could begin to pray for, two people that don't know Jesus Christ. And then is there a way in which you can, with some strategy, but with some gent, remember, um, we're told to do this with gentleness and respect. Is there a way in which you can begin to invest in their lives, to listen to them, to share a meal? Not with this, well, I'm going to invest in their lives, and when they know Jesus, they're on their own. No, I'm going to invest in their lives, and they may turn down the opportunity to know Jesus Christ, but they're still going to see me engaged in their lives, even on the other side of that decision. We're going to invest in their lives, and then we're going to invite them into a journey of faith when the moment comes along. And so in essence, we're thinking, asking you to think of what two people for 10, who are you going to reach in that regard in order for us to reach 10% of our community? And so this week, start thinking about, praying about who will it be? And next week, we're going to give you something to take home to kind of cement it down a little bit and take it a little bit deeper. You'll get something to go in your refrigerator that's gonna, you're going to fill out in church next week as to who you're going to begin praying for, in, in, investing in, and then inviting. And um, that's why we're doing stuff like this, okay? This fun night in the park. Uh, you know, we raised money. We said we we're going to do ministry for others. For, we raised money for, for others, for ministry and you. This is the you portion of that. We're using, frankly, dollars that you have begun contributing to Empower to make this happen. So this is very much us coming behind as, as leaders of the church, coming behind exactly what we said we were going to do. We're going to start thinking ways in which we, you, can invest in our community and make a difference in people's lives. So 
People reach people through relationships. And um, the, this event, did you notice when's, when's the first one? Wednesday. And where is it? Do you know? Fairview Park. Come, invite somebody. Um, I'll be honest, I have a little concern that everybody's thinking, well, this is a family ministries event. No, this is a church event for you to bring someone to, all right? And uh, get involved. And reaching those who don't know Christ is the work of everyone. And we are all in unique places in our community, where we live, where we work, where we study, go to school, where we play. All those are unique places. And so We've got to allow Jesus Christ to have his light shine through us. He said that we're like a city set on a hill, and it's our responsibility then to uh, let that light shine, that people will see our light and see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. This isn't about First Christian Church. It's not even about you. It's about those who don't know Christ who would come to know him. And so we've given some thought to this as to how can we make this really personal today, what I want you to do is take a look at the map of Decatur, the greater map. It, it's, there, you may, uh, we want to see where do you live on that map. And there are, are some in our congregation who live even outside the boundaries of that map, but in order for it to be seen by everybody, we got it to that size, okay? So if you live on the other side of Niantic, maybe you live out there or La Place down to Lovington or whatever, but we think that's the majority of where our people live. Where do you live in that place? And who, my point being, there are all kinds of people all over the place who that you know in your unique place. So whereabouts on that map do you live? And we're going to do a little bit of a, a test right here. Yeah, so. so for example, I live right up there. Just, okay, so just who is it across, down. you know, who is it around BJ that maybe needs to at least have a conversation with themselves and perhaps BJ? I'd like to know a little bit more about faith in Christ. And they may come to the place where they say, Enough's enough. I'm, it's not for me. Fair enough. That's okay. I mean, from a preacher's point of view and from a Christian's point of view, it's not okay, but we live in a pluralistic culture and people get to make that decision. Fair enough. And God lets us make that decision. He gave us free will to say yes or no. So who is it around lives around BJ that might be interested in that? Or So whereabouts do you live? I mean, we're, so we're going to see if we can't get some people to point out where they live. <laughs> there we go, John. Just John, whereabouts do you there. live? You live down. <laughs> you kind of live all over the place, John, don't you? John lives in a back right there. Of the trailer, okay. Moving all over Jay, where do you guys live? Give right there, right oh, behind you. Green button. You live always down there. Okay. Steph, where do you live? Or Jim, where do you live? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so what we did was we want you to, okay, where do you live that I don't live? You know, I, it's not a case that I can preach to the people or, or talk to the people where you live. You can. So what we did was we took the eight to 900 household addresses of where people live in this community, and we populated the whole map for you. Look at this. Now, there are, there are more than 800 dots on that page right now. It's hard to believe that, isn't it? But there are more than 800 dots up there. One of those dots, if you're part of the life of our church, represents where you live. This, the program stopped counting at 100 and just start, kept populating, couldn't keep up with it. We have an impact on this community. And that's just where we live. Think about if we were to populate it with where you work and where you play. Let us be people that realize every dot represents where a light can shine. It's a home, in this case, but the other dots could be a, 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 an office or a place where you 
study, and people who don't know Christ, not in some weird, wonky, strange, grab them around the neck way, but in a way that says, this is really important to me, and because I care for you, I would like you to at least know my story. And you take it from there, okay? It's an opportunity for people to get to know us and for then for us to do what Jesus said to do. If you're one of my followers, this is what you do. You care for the poor, you honor God, and by the way, you go. We do well at honoring God. We do well at caring for the poor around here, which is why our community outreach works, works so well. But we can't just stop there and lean there. We also have to do the go. We can show and share our faith in Jesus Christ by embracing all those opportunities. So with that in mind, I'd invite you to stand together, please. And um, I want to pray right now for all of us in the places where we live. And then we're going to spend some time in worship together. And uh, just see what God would do in our lives. Let's pray. Father, there's hundreds of people in the life of this church. And uh, we live all around this community. uh, Even beyond where the map showed God. And we work in even more places. And we go to school in places beyond that. And then, God, we, um, we play in other places. In all of those places, God, may we live our lives in such a way that it honors you, that it points people to Christ, not in some sort of cultish way in any way, God, but in a way that is authentic and even raw at times if it needs to be, but that says we want to do life with people for our sake, for their sake, for the sake of your work in them. And God, help us in that endeavor, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.